tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And there's two kinds of listeners that we're going to be talking to today. You might be at a small company and you need to act bigger, or you might be at a large company and you need to act more nimble, like a startup. So on either end of those spectrums, we've got some great information, great insights, and great practices for you to learn from today. Our guest is Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, welcome to the program. Oh, couldn't be better to be here. Well, we're, we're having this in a virtual coffee shop here in our hometown of Boise, Idaho. And we're going to be sharing thoughts that Jeff and I have riffed over in many a conversation over the years. And I was reflecting back, Jeff, to when we were looking at office space you had shared and we were just comparing notes even then about the evolution of marketing. But now you got a great book out called The Monster That Ate Marketing. And it's reinvigorating this modern corporate marketing. What do you think has evolved and why do we need reinvigorating? Well, at the simplest level, marketing used to be all about being madmen. And now it's all about doing admin. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, we have more data, more to-dos, more channels, more options. But yet we're still the same old human beings. Bottom line, the bottom line for me is, if we're going to be successful moving forward, I believe marketers have to rethink how they even look at their job and their role within the organization and really set their teams up for success and think about how they do marketing, just not what type of marketing they do. So interesting. And I guess the bias of this podcast on creativity, do you really feel that the modern corporate marketing department sees themselves in a creative function or <laughs> is it simply you know, pushing the metrics? It's more of the latter. I think in general, we've sucked creativity out of marketing departments, not even intentionally. You know, it's sort of been this slow slide as companies, you know, get focused on lead gen metrics, these sort of where everything is measurable. And that's not, I'm not opposed to any of that, of course. I mean, I, you know, that's, that's an important piece of the puzzle, but what's happened is the balance has sort of taken us a little bit off, a little sideways on there where we start thinking that the activities that we're doing, you know, the busyness is the job instead of focusing on the results of the job. You know, my mission is really to help organizations think about how they can build departments, teams, and ultimately companies that are open to creativity and innovation and and in a real way, not in a baloney, you know, not just giving lip service to those things, but actually creating the culture and, and tools and things that make it happen. Yes. And a lot of times, I guess, in the marketing department, they think that they need to what, outsource, have pitches, get the agencies in here because they have the ideas. Like, we don't have any? I, that doesn't make much sense to me. But you but would join a, a marketing of... department and say, I hope somebody has some ideas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the point is, I think too much, you know, and I come from an agency background, but I think too often companies are sort of seeing themselves as managers and admins and not as creators themselves mm. and sort of don't have the um, the mentality and the accountability internally to like be open uh, to, you know, to make things happen. 
basically. Well, you've got a subhead here that called reimagining, reengineering, reinvigorating. There's a lot of rewords here. Is this a turnaround or a further evolution? I mean, do you really see like we need to reimagine? Kind of has a very large uh, feel to yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the book, which is you know, I'm still trying to sell this point that you that organizational design matters to impacting creativity, but the truth is. We probably need to zero base it way more than I go, you know, we need to go further than I go in the book, I believe. I mean, I think the siloing of marketing and sales departments is a complete disaster in the 21st century. Um, you know, it's, un, you know, sale, uh, marketing teams are doing the sales team's job a lot of times or getting <laughs> blamed if they don't, you know. enough leads the in the funnel, you know. Exactly. Yes. You know, if anybody who's worked in this field always knows the sales teams, you know, and of course, I have tremendous respect for the sales teams, but if anything's not working, the first thing they do is point fingers at the marketing team, <laughs> <laughs> right? And and my point is when I the reimagining is really re, you know, starting over and saying, okay, if we're trying to accomplish X, then what are the things that we need to put in place to you know to get there? Instead of simply saying we want to accomplish X, and somehow we'll magically get there by doing the same things we've done for the last 50 years, which yes. simply doesn't work. No. Well, your table of contents lists uh, at least five principles and uh, 20 practices or more. Uh, before we get into the details of the, uh, the introduction that says my wake up call, <laughs> I think we've got to start there, Jeff. Anytime I see somebody said I had a wake up call, I'm seeing this uh, lightning bolt moment. And I'd love to hear what that was for you. Well, for me, it was sitting in the office of Mark Andreessen uh, and pitching him on a startup. Mark Andreessen is probably the most renowned venture capitalist on the planet, or at least one of the, you know, uh, you can count the top people on one hand, and he's definitely on that list. He founded uh, Netscape, what became uh, Netscape, you know, he invented the first web browser effectively. Uh, but now he runs a venture capital uh, firm that has invested in any of the, you know, the most major companies in the world. And we were in a lucky situation with the startup I had founded to be able to pitch him, to be invited to pitch him. And, and, you know, very quickly in that meeting is when we got to marketing and here's Jeff stepping in there as the marketing guru. I've been in agency land. I know how marketing is done. And he starts laying down the math of, you know, how we explain things, you know, and how we handle, how we basically acquire customers. And it was very obvious at that moment to me that the way I had been thinking about marketing previously, and this was 2013, um, you know, I had been thinking about it. I was a brand, I was the brand God. I was the mm -hmm. brand evangelist, brand, 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 brands are all that matters. And he came into me and, and he, this was 2013 again, when sort of growth hacking and, uh, you know, all these sort of analytics direct to consumer, all this was pretty nascent. And he introduced me to that world. And he said, look, your equations don't work. Your math doesn't work. If you just, you know, da, 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 you won't get to where you, your projections say you're going to go. Essentially, we are going to pay too much to acquire customers. And for me, as brand guy, hearing data guy uh, say that, you know, smart big data guy, it was really a slap across the face. Um, and that Mo at that moment, I said to myself, boy, I need to start thinking about marketing completely different. And the real point there is not that he was right. He, you know, he was right for the moment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But 
the issues are bigger than even what his point was. The issues are that every company needs to understand what the actual drivers of their business are and then build the, the tools, infrastructure, culture to go after that. And we weren't doing that. We didn't have clarity on how we were, we were sort of pitching one way of building a business, but behaving in another way. In another way, yeah. And he called me on that. That's and so it was that lack of alignment that was my wake-up call. It wasn't, it, you know, I think too much right now, and I'm sorry to ramble here if I am, but we have too many gurus out there preaching their way or the highway. And that's not what this, that's not what the business world is. That's not what creativity is. That's not what marketing is. And that was my wake up call. So good. Yeah. It does take these crossroad moments, doesn't it? <laughs> to say, I just can't keep going down this direction solely. Yeah, for, I mean, me, I've had I, these slap in the face. <laughs> exactly. I need it. I'm pretty stubborn. Um, and so it takes a lot to move me. Um, and honestly, that, that moment, he, by the way, we did, he did not invest. Um, they sent us a very nice note and a very constructive note. And I was, um, you know, grateful for that advice, but the more importantly, you know, his comments changed the trajectory of how I thought about this whole field. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the journey I've been on. Well, I think a lot of this is reflected in the book. And I think now we go to these core principles that you have put down these anchors that say, this is really what marketing could be. And I just wanted to focus on one of them. And one of your principles is to think in portfolios. Mm -hmm. And I I find that so interesting that often we, you know, are very targeted on one thing or one product or one idea or one program. And you're really suggesting to think bigger. I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's bigger and sometimes it's smaller. Well, good Uh, point. (laughs) You you know, um, what I'm trying to get people to think about is that, you know, in a world of chaos and essentially unlimited options, choices, and paths that you can take, it becomes really important to give yourself a mental structure with which to balance it. So if you think about your retirement portfolio, right, um, you know, like a there's different sort of makeups of that, right? You can, some people are like 60% growth stocks and 40% bonds to keep it simple, yes. right? And, and then over time, you know, maybe you decrease your stock exposure and increase your bond exposure for, or whatever, your gold or commodities or whatever. But when you think about it, you don't just own stocks. You own, oftentimes you own mutual funds, hundreds or thousands of companies. But we simplify it to give us ourselves a mental model of sort of more risky uh, investments versus less risky investments. And what I'm saying when we talk about what we, it's not just what I'm saying, what we found is in this new world order, marketing departments are wise to manage their department as if they're managing a portfolio of ideas. Now, what that means to you may be different. It sort of operates on different levels, right? So it could be to just keep it simple on a two part portfolio. You, if you say we do lead gen, lead generation and demand generation, which I would argue is just simple, old, good old fashioned marketing. Mm-hmm. We'll get in, I don't want to get too distracted by that. And you say, that's how we sort of divide our activities or those two plus sales support. You should, be, to help your brain wrap itself around, around what you need to be doing on a specific day, you should predefine how much of your portfolio is going to be made up of each part. Now your portfolio is time, money, resources, energy, all those things. Um, and, and, and sort of stick to it. It doesn't have to be exact, but my point being when you're a startup, you know, you're going to be oftentimes way more focused 
on sort of the lead gen because you need those first couple customers, right? You're just trying to get leads and, and, and or sales, really. And you're just trying to get those first couple of customers. Well, that's a lot different than when you're a $7 billion publicly traded company. That's right. Where there's lots of stakeholders where everything has to be distributed. So you're going to have, your portfolio is going to change over time, if that makes sense. And, and I've heard things like 70, 20, 10, you know, that 70 should be sort of your bread and butter, your engine marketing stuff. 20 might be your tests and trials. And, and 10 is the real sort of innovative, hey, I have no idea. But and, and I almost sometimes equate that as what can you afford to lose? I mean, it, you may lose the 10%, but you got to try, right? Exactly. And that, that what you just described is actually where this idea of at its core comes from, is actually making sure that you have space in your budget, your time and your mental capacity to do those experiments. Because if you think you're going to innovate, uh, you know, by doing the same old things, by running your same old trade show, at, uh, you know, trade ads, that's not going to happen. Nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. And so exactly what you just said, it, it, um, I personally, and there's other parts of the book where we talk about this, but it's, we, you know, I, I go into this idea of we need to make sure that we're, you know, there's some speculative part of our work every day, just, you know, that we're speculating on the future as marketers and, you know. Yes. Well, to pick up on your thought on the admin kind of side, you know, you've got a couple of chapters here on metrics, you know, that measurement isn't the mission, they're just doing it or, or indicator or activity metrics, you know, versus goal and outcome metrics. Uh, How do you, how do you balance that kind of thinking? Yeah, I mean, this really gets to the core of what I where I started, where I believe, and I'm totally pro-measurement metrics, all those things. I'm totally in favor of that. What I'm not in favor of is when they take over the mission, <laughs> when they become <laughs> they become the obsession. So um I want to make I'm gonna try to answer your question. I mean, at the big picture here, it's you know, you can get so bogged down measuring your hits. Remember when we used to call it website traffic hits, right? Your your website traffic on these things that they indicate certain behaviors, but they're not the goal, right? So you can, I can go buy you a ton of Pinterest traffic for very cheap and make a lot of metrics really have, you know, make the chart go up to the right, make a lot of C-suite executives who don't know any better, feel really good about how good their website is performing and then have absolutely no business outcomes come Mm -hmm. from that. Mm -hmm. And what I'm arguing for here in, the, in that point is that we really need to always stay focused on results. And everybody says, oh, of course I'm focused on results. I'm focused on my goals and my outcomes. But then when you go and simply ask people what their goals are, the outcomes they expect, most people can't articulate them. There's a little so How can you be measuring those things if you don't even, you can't even articulate it clearly? Yes. So, so that's really my point is that measurement in too many organizations has become the mission where we've become obsessed with these numbers to the point that we forget that we're still just trying to add value to the lives of human beings. And we sort of lose sight of that. And I believe that's again, back to the reimagining. I think we need to reimagine the marketing department to be way more human centric um, as we go forward. Yes. Well, and listeners, uh, before we get too far and you think Jeff is a great philosopher and he's got great ideas. uh, He also is a doer and a builder. He's yeah. got a great consultancy, Reynolds and Myers. He helps food and shelter companies uh, evolve their marketing. But I mean, you're you're putting this stuff, Jeff, into day-to-day practice. How, how do these philosophies, practices, and principles translate into like your daily do list? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I think it's important to say, you know, when we when I started this book project, and the reason the book is divided into three sort of parts is I, I feel like the first thing we have to do is get people to agree that we have a problem. You know, you can't, and that's the first third of the book. You know, you, 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 until we admit that we have a problem and things aren't working and that we have major problems with re recruitment and retaining people in this field, you know, uh, and certainly the best people, we have to do that. So we deal with that in the, the first part of the book. The second part of the book is the principles, as you said. And these are sort of just ways to frame how you're thinking about building your organization, you know, how high level guideposts to market. And then the third part of the book is are the practices, which are sort of like plug and play little playbooks of varying degrees, because as we know, in marketing, it's, you know, nothing is consistent. There can be no, you know, there's um, what works for one organization doesn't work for other organizations, that sort of thing. So what we're, those, the practices really reflect what you're getting at. The practices reflect very tangible things like how do we actually prioritize projects on a day-to-day -day basis? When how do we determine what our portfolio should be? What are the different ways of thinking about our portfolios? So the way we, you know, to be honest, all this work came from a lot of trial and error and not just philosophy. I mean, most of it actually bubbled up the opposite way. It was sort of like we're doing the work and we noticed these problems, these reoccurring problems and started connecting the dots as we work across companies, um, you know, our company works with big companies mostly, mm -hmm. uh, Reynolds Myers, you know, mostly publicly traded or large, you know, billion dollar type revenue plus companies largely. But my other part of my job, my life is working with startups and so, and investing in startups. And so as we connected the dots we, with these, between these two disparate types of organizations, we started analyzing, I say we, because really, you know, the book, I wrote the book, but the ideas came from a team effort. Of, yes, of course. Uh, you know, uh, you know, including my clients, including uh, all my members of my team. And, and essentially we started running experiments. We'd, we'd, we'd run the scientific method effectively. You know, uh, we'd uh, try something that didn't work, uh, adapt the experiment and adjust. And, and sort of, we grew these ideas from sort of the screw ups backwards to the philosophies, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that totally answers your well, question. No, it did. I, 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 I think the collaboration piece can't be overlooked either. I mean, you also publish a great, uh, call it a newsletter for lack of a better word, but collection of nice observations and blogs. And I get the sense that the learning and listening part has a lot to do with feeding those ideas. Yeah, if you really look at the principles, they're mostly weighted towards learning. I mean, uh, you know, ideas like the, you know, the obvious ones make everyone smarter. Uh, but uh, another one is progress, not perfection. And, and both of, and these principles are all about this idea that the world has too many unknowns for us to sit around and pretend that we know like that there's a recipe. Hmm. And you may be able to build a recipe over time for your organization, but I'm here to tell you no guru. There's no book off the shelf, including mine, that gives you the answers. Um, you have to learn and figure it out because in the new world order, there's just simply too many variables. You know, I, I think about the difference between com complicated and complex. And, and I heard this analogy once and I, use, I think it's, it fits what, the way I view it, which is complicated is like a fixed maze, right? Like you put yourself, you put a mouse at one end of the maze, you put cheese at the other end. They make 
there's, there's a defined way they can get through and they just keep bouncing until they get it through. And that's complicated. And I feel like that's what marketing is built on. That was marketing of the 60s as we were unlocking sort of the psychographic and you know, brand aspects and how uh, you know, decision-making triggers and all these things. But the world we now live in, where we have a world of unlimited choice and you know, so many brands and influencers and all these different things is complex. It's like that same maze except the walls are moving <laughs> up and down and the floors are dropping out in certain, it's always changing. Mm -hmm. And bottom line is what I'm advocating for is building how we can build organizations that can actually adapt to the world we're in instead of the world we wish we were in. So interesting. The analogy of the, uh, the walls moving. I mean, it sounds like a fun house, but uh, sometimes there's dizziness and nausea. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And, and, and if you, and you see how important mindset becomes in that, right. Um, because the truth is most people aren't really built for a world of uncertainty, um, but that's the world we live in. And, and so I, I'm really interested in how we build organizations that can support humans through this world of uncertainty and then ultimately deliver results, which is building stuff. As you said, I'm really all about getting stuff done. That's my main driver is, is, is making stuff, not philosophizing. Well, I want to drill down on that for a moment. But Jeff, first, tell us where to find the book and learn more about you. Monster That Ate Marketing. Oh, sure. Um, the, the best place is to go to Jeff Reynolds, R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S.com. Jeff Reynolds.com. And that is only kind of links you out to all the different things I'm working out on, including, including the book and speaking and, and all those things. Great. Well, as you look ahead, Jeff, you've talked about this mindset of adaptability and, you know, you've got to kind of roll with it sometimes, but how, how are you sort of maintaining your outlook and your mindset of creativity and this reinvigorating idea as the world is getting more complex going forward? Boy, you don't know how timely that question is because I struggle with that every day. And what I've been tapping into lately, which is maybe um, not so obvious, is actually tapping into the history, into history. And, mm -hmm. and specifically, like my ancestry and my family's history. And what I mean by this is whenever I get sort of frustrated by the direction of the world and the challenges of this modern life, I think, what other era would I rather be living in? And I can't come up with an answer that is better than now. Mm. Uh, so, I, you know, and then I look back at my ancestors and think about their journey from, from Europe to the Southern U.S. to the Dust Bowl, taking them through Oklahoma and, you know, and, and Texas and all, you know, this whole journey that they, and how hard their lives were. And that fills me with optimism um, and hope for the future. And frankly, a feeling of agency that I can control my life and have a positive impact. So for me personally, that is how I'm really centered on it is by looking back. It helps me think about how I'm going to shape the future. And it also makes me feel a little more fearless about bringing these ideas because make no mistake, I think like a lot of the ideas in the monster that ate marketing, they're simple and sort of obvious in some ways, but they're also, um, I don't want to, revolutionary is sort of strong, but they, they are, they will, if when executed right, they cause tension within organizations because it requires organizations to rethink uh, their habits and the things they're doing. And, yes. and I just think to do that, you, gotta, you have to be a little bit brave. And I think that's a key characteristic, courage for, uh, for creatives and marketers specifically. 
Well, it's a lesson learned that I've heard from, you know, as I've interviewed more than 200 creative practitioners now for this podcast, uh, that courage and bravery rings true. Even if somebody doesn't say, I feel brave, there right. still is a, ultimately I had to push the send button on my work. And uh, that took a lot of courage to do it sometimes. I love that. I, yeah. I mean, that's, and I honestly, I don't think creatives give themselves credit for their courage generally. Because it's so, uh, you know, the act of creating is so innate. And especially if you're a commercial artist type person, you know, mm -hmm. every day you have to ship. Um, you, you either ship or you don't have a job. So that's right. Um, I, 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 I think a lot of it is practice, you know, like giving yourself, taking baby steps of, uh, towards courage. And then eventually it becomes much more natural. Great. Well, Jeff, great catching up with you. Enjoyed our virtual coffee. Thanks for being with me and sharing all these thoughts. Yeah, let's do it in person sometime soon. Let's do it. All right. And listeners, you need to come back too, because we'll continue conversations just like this. We, we need to hear more of these inspiring uh, stories and tales, but also principles and practices of how we can advance our creative thinking. Uh, every now and then we need a slap on the face. And Jeff has uh, shared some of his wake up call moments, but there's a lot to learn. And uh, we're going to keep bringing you these thoughts on our podcast. So come back again for our next episode. We'll talk about how you come up with original ideas, how you organize those ideas. But as we've just said, how you gain the confidence and the courage and often the connections to launch your work out into the world. So until next time, for Unlocking Your Creativity, I'm Mark Stenson. We'll see you soon. Unlocking Your World of Creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.Love. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer.